Good morning. You know, before we begin this morning, I do, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have served our, our nation and served our country, all the sacrifice you've given to, to help us be free, to help us be safe in this nation, and I, I just I want to say thank you. I, I want to say thank you for showing us what bravery and honor looks like. If you would, join me in, in prayer as we pray for those who are on the battlefield this morning, those who are around the world uh, defending our nation this morning. Pray for all those who uh, are leading those men and the people who make those decisions, the, the men and women of our nation who uh, protect us. Let's pray for them. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that we do get the freedom and the privilege to stand and, and to sit in this place today to worship you, to praise you. God, without any fear or worry about what may happen to us as a result, but God, that we, we get to come together as your people in this place and worship you. Father, I pray for those who uh, are defending us even now, that the men and women on the battlefield this morning, God, I pray that you'd protect them. God, that you would watch over them, that you would give them grace, that you'd give them strength. Uh, God, that you would give them victory. Lord, I pray that you'd be with those who are leading our nation, those who are making the decisions of whether or not to be involved in conflicts. Lord, that you would give them wisdom to know which ones to be a part of and which ones to, to not be a part of. And God, I pray that we as a people, we as a, especially as believers, that we would not take for granted the sacrifice that was made uh, on our behalf by these men and these women who are showing bravery beyond uh, anything that we, we could even imagine. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them today, that you would work uh, through them, God, that you would use them for your glory. And God, I pray as we turn our attention now to your word, that you would open it up for us to be able to hear it be able to understand it, be able to live it. God, I pray that you would uh, give me grace, give me strength to be able to speak your word on your behalf this morning. Father, I pray that you be with us now in this service. Uh, bless us now, God, with your presence and with your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but there are certain things that I was doing when Crystal and I were dating that I, about my character that I have not quite stopped. Uh, and sometimes she appreciates it and sometimes she doesn't. Uh, I, like, for example, I don't know what sort of experience you had the first time you met your spouse's parents, but Crystal, we, I met her in Memphis. That's where she was living, and so we had to drive over here to, to go see my parents. Well, that's like a three-and-a-half-hour ride, right? I mean, it's not too bad. Well, she's never been here before. And so we get in the car, and we go, and we're driving, and, and we get, I guess, to about Forest City. You know, it's like an hour, hour-and-a-half outside of Memphis, and she's like, so how much further? I was like, I don't know, like 20 minutes maybe, just on down the road, because I thought it would be funny. And then we get to, like, Brinkley, you know, and it's like another hour down the road. And she's like, so how much further? And I was like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes or so. We'll, we'll see. And, uh, and so we, then we, you know, we, get, we pass Carlisle, and we're getting closer to Little Rock. And she's like, so how much further? And I'm like, like 20 minutes or so. And she's like, wait a minute. This is like the third time you told me 20 minutes, and it's been a couple of hours. Are you sure you know where we're going? Like, are you actually taking me to your mom and dad's? You know, what's going on here? And, and so anyway, I was able to say, well, you know, it's actually like an hour, hour and a half. I, maybe I told the truth. I actually don't remember that part. I don't, she doesn't either. So I'm going to go with I told the truth at that point because I can't remember. But I, I was sharing that with a, a friend of mine this week, and he was like, and she married you anyway? And I was like, I know, crazy, right? But uh, God is good, but... <laughs> but as I was thinking about that experience that Crystal and I had where it's just a little further. Yeah, it's just a little further. Just hold on just a little bit more. We're almost there. Just, 
just a little bit further and we'll finally be there. I couldn't help but think about the guy that we're going to read about this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, this man named Abraham. If you remember the, the person that God had right the letter of Hebrews, he was writing it to a group of people who, unlike us, did not have the freedom necessarily to worship God in any way they choose. These were people who were coming under persecution. These were people who were being killed. These were people who were being imprisoned and having their, their families and their businesses taken from them simply because they named the name of Jesus. And so he's writing to them and he's telling them, hang on, it's just a little bit further. Hang on, it's just, you just got to keep hanging on. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so we come to verse 8, and last week we saw that he, was, he gave the example of Noah and Abel and Enoch. This week we're going to see that he gives the example of Abraham, a great hero of the faith. Beginning in verse 8 of chapter 11, we read this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, when he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham was a man who, when God said go, he went. Abraham is the, the, the first Jew. Uh, he's a man living in a Gentile world, and so, you know, if you think about it, the first Jew was actually a Gentile, but, but he was brought out of that land. He was called out of that group of people that he lived among to go to a place that God told him, I'll tell you when you get there. Abraham was a farmer. He was a, a shepherd. He would have been a part of the family business of, of herding sheep. And so God says, I want you to leave everything you've ever known. I want you to leave those fireside chats with your dad behind. I want you to leave your mama's cooking behind. I want you to leave the town where your name means something behind and, and go somewhere and I'll tell you when you get there. This is what Abraham's call is. This is what God's call is to Abraham. Leave everything that you find comfortable. Leave everything that you've ever known and go. It'll be worth it. But I can't, I, I'm just going to tell you it's a land of promise. And so, so we, the author of Hebrews says he didn't know where he was going. He just knew it was the promised land. That's pretty crazy, right? But that's the faith that the author of Hebrews is calling us to have. The faith that says, God, I trust you more than my eyes uh, can see. I trust you more than, than what I understand, more than what my past experience tells me, more than what I want, more than my dreams, my comforts, my feelings. Lord, I trust you more than anything. Lord, I put more faith in you than what I think is right or what I think is the smart decision here. He says, Abraham, go. And Abraham says, okay. Because that's risky faith. That's dangerous faith. That's unreasonable faith. But that's exactly what Abraham did. He left everything he'd ever known to go to a land he had yet seen. And so we come to verse 9, and it says that he lived as in a foreign land, or in other words, a stranger or a tourist. He, when he finally got to where God was having him to go, and he, he enters the promised land, where does he live? Well, he lives in tents. He, he lives in temporary structures. Are you, am I there yet, God? No, it's just a little further. It's just on down the road. God had promised Abraham a son. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and it's through this son that the whole world will be blessed. 
It's through this Son that everyone will call you blessed. It's through this Son that I'm going to bless the whole world. Abraham, by the way, when God made this promise, was 75 years old. I don't know if that's a good promise or not, right? I mean, okay, let's start working on raising a son at this age. But, but that's what he says. I'm going to give you a son. And then 15 years pass. And you know what? God has still not prom- uh, given him that son that he promised. 15 years. Abraham says, uh, God, I, I'm uh, 99 years old. Me and Sarah aren't getting any younger. You mentioned a child, and I, I haven't seen one yet. So, uh, God, I, I think, you know, this child that you promised me, I, I think I have a solution. I think I'm going to help you out here. And so him and Sarah decide to have a, a, a baby with one of their servants. So Abraham has a baby through one of his servants. Not the way God intended, not the way God commanded, not the way God promised. But Abraham gets in a hurry. By our standards, 15 years is not a hurry, is it? And we read this, we're like, man, he waited 15 years. That's pretty good. I'm like 15 minutes. Like, y'all got a Keurig? Those things drive me crazy. It's supposed to be fast. It still takes like three minutes to get a cup of coffee. I mean, what is wrong with me? But, uh, but you think about the struggle of patience that we have in, in this nation. But Abraham's waiting 15 years, and he's still not seeing God's promise. And so he says, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to take care of it. God... I understand that, but I'm really tired of waiting on you. I'm really tired of waiting on what you promised, and so I'm going to take care of it myself. And so he tries a shortcut. He tries to speed things up. And that's what happens, guys, when we take our eyes off of God and we begin to try and hurry it along. We try to get ahead of Him. We end up taking shortcuts, and what ends up happening is way worse than simply waiting on Him. Abraham and Sarah do have a baby with one of their servants and it turns into a whole mess and a whole nightmare. As I was thinking about the, the shortcut Abraham took, I couldn't help but think about some of my shortcuts. Um, I try to take shortcuts everywhere we go. And so the kids now, when we're taking a shortcut, they'll say, Dad, is this a shortcut or a long cut? Because half the time it ends up being twice as long as the, short, the actual way to get there, right? So it's not much of a shortcut. But guys, that's what we do when we start saying, God, you're not on my timetable. And so I'm going to figure out the way that I can get this done the way when I want it to be done. When you start thinking about your life and you start saying, God, I'm, I'm really ready for you to provide that job now rather than later. God, I, I'm ready for you to provide the things I need or I want right now. I'm ready to provide that husband or that wife right now. And, and when we don't have this quiet trust that says, God, I know that you know what's best. What ends up happening? When we rush into things and we go head first into things and we start cutting corners, we lie to get that job. We pretend to be something we're not to get that spouse. We overlook certain things that we know means this is not what we ought to do, but we say, you know what? God hadn't come through yet. I'm going to do it on my own. What ends up happening when we do that? We've taken a long cut, right? We've made it harder in ourselves than it had to be when we don't wait on God by faith to do what God said He's going to do. Every one of us have been in that mess. And so what happens? What happens when we don't wait on God? What happens when by faith we don't wait on what He has called us to do? Look down at verse 11. Remember I told you God had promised Abraham a son. Verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age 
since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable uh, grains of sand by the seashore. And so this is after Abraham has messed up. This is after Abraham has went ahead of God and done what he wasn't supposed to do. God, guys, Abraham, if anything, he, he started in faith and he walked by faith, but he made mistakes just like you and me do. Like we all can relate to Abraham. There's at one point, well, I don't know if we can relate to him on this. I hope not. But there was at one point where uh, there was a, a famine in the land that God had sent him to. And so he got scared and he went down to Egypt. And when he got there, he's like, Sarah, you're hot. And this guy's going to kill me because you're so hot and he's going to take you from me. So I'm going to pretend like you're not my wife. And so he does. And the, the king, the pharaoh of that area, he takes Sarah and he's going to have her as his wife. And Abraham's like, well, see you later, babe. Like, okay. I'm not going to trust God to protect us here. I'm just going to let this happen. And God intervenes and he tells him, hey, if you do this, I'm going to kill you. And so the guy gives, him back, gives Sarah back to Abraham and says, um, what are you up to here? Like, why would you lie about this? And then not just that, I mentioned earlier that he, had, he and his wife had decided that it would be okay for him to sleep with one of their servants in order to have a child. Like when we read this, we try and give Abraham a pass. Well, you know, things were different in those days. No, they weren't. God had always commanded one man and, and one woman uh, in marriage. But we try and give Abraham a pass because he's our hero. No, Abraham messed up. Made a, a world of hurt and a world of trouble for himself and the rest of the world around him. Because he didn't walk by faith. He was walking by what he could see and what he could see was time was passing by and God hadn't done what God said he would do. But God blessed him anyway. God gave Isaac to him anyway. You say, you're sitting there and you're saying, I, I'm just too far off the path. There's no way I could ever receive God's blessings. Really? Abraham did. Abraham received uh, God's blessings far after he made so many mistakes. Because, guys, Abraham was blessed not because he was faithful, but because God is faithful. Not because he had anything to offer God, but because he simply believed God. He simply trusted God. Not perfectly, there were moment after moment after moment where he said, uh, I'm not so sure about this. I'm going to go do my own thing here. And God continually drew him back in and continually blessed him. This doesn't mean you, you won't have consequences when you step off the path that God has in front of you. We all know we will have consequences and that they will hurt. Just because you say, I'm sorry, and God forgives you doesn't take away all the stuff that you did. Sort of like if I tell my son, hey, don't put a paper clip in the electrical socket, and he does it anyway. Like, I can forgive him for it, but it's still going to hurt, right? He hadn't done that, and hopefully he never does. But you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, when, when we do stuff that we ought not do, there's pain involved. God may say, I forgive you. doesn't mean you ain't still got to deal with the pain. Abraham still had to deal with the consequences of his choices, but God still blessed him. God still used him. God still forgave him because he is faithful, because he is ultimately the one who we are putting our faith in. And so when we get to those points in our life where we say, I can't go any further. I, I've not been faithful, or I've made too many mistakes, or I have too many things stacked against us. The author of Hebrews, God wants to speak to you this morning and say, but it's not up to you. It's not up to your faithfulness. It's not up to the people around you's faithfulness. It's up to me, and I am faithful. That's what God speaks to us this morning. He says here that, that there, His children are as numerous as the sand of the seashore. 
And, and in one case, he's talking about you know, uh, physical Israel, but he's also talking about spiritual, uh, those who have followed Christ. Listen to Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So if you're someone who's placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, then you're a child of Abraham. You've received the promise that God uh, gave to Abraham. We know this, right? Father Abraham... You know you want to finish it, right? Had many sons, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Why? Because we understand that God's promise to Abraham was for us too. That we get to celebrate God's faithfulness in Abraham's life today because Abraham followed God. Because Abraham said, yes, God, I'll go. And God used him mightily. Not because Abraham was perfect, but because through Abraham, God brought about a people called Israel and through that people group called Israel, God promised a Savior. And that Savior, whose name is Jesus, well, Jesus is perfect. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is the one who lived a life that we can't live. He always obeyed the Father. He always did what He was supposed to do. And at the end of that perfect, faithful life, what did Jesus do? Well, He went to the cross. And on the cross, He paid for our guilt, our shame, our uh, mess-ups, if you want to call them that, our bad choices. He paid the penalty for what we did against God. And he says, anybody who comes to me and believes on me, I'll forgive them. But I won't just forgive them. I'll give them a new heart. I'll give them a new understanding of the world around them and make them understand that it's not about them, it's about me, and it's about showing others the love that I've given them. And what happens when that happens, guys? Well, you bless the world around you. You take part in the promise that God made to Abraham that through you I will bless the entire world. And so I, I ask you this morning, what, what is God calling you to, to trust Him about? Where is He calling you to go that you can't see where this is? God, I, I don't know where you're taking me. That's a little further than I want to go. That's a little riskier than I want to do. But what's He calling you to? For Abraham, it was to bless the entire world. And guys, when we share the gospel, that's exactly what we get to do. But may, maybe there's other stuff in your life. Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time trusting Him and saying, Lord, I, I don't see how you're going to make these finances work out. God, I don't see how you're going to make my family work out. I don't see how you're going to make my children work out. I don't see how you're going to make my health work out or our church. I don't see how you're going to do this. I don't see how you're going to make our nation work out. I don't see how you're going to make this job work out. And God says, just trust me a little further. Put one foot in front of the other and just go. And I'll take you where I want you to be, even if you can't see it. I'll do what I want to do with you, even though you don't understand. Yes, it'll be hard. Yes, it'll be difficult. Yes, you'll make mistakes. And yes, you'll fall off the path from time to time. But I'll get you there. I'll get you to where I want you to be. Let, let me just say this too, because I think sometimes we, we forget that we think that everything that God told Abraham was about here and now, the physical all around us. You know what Abraham received in the land that God sent him to? You know the business he had? You know how many houses he had? Or how much wealth he acquired? He lived in tents. He was a pilgrim. He basically went on a never-ending camping trip. Now, some of y'all like to camp, but he had the, you know, a tent. A little different, right? You know what he had when he died? He had a son in a barrel plot. That's it. He died a pilgrim. 
but God blessed him more than he could have ever imagined. Listen to verse 10 again. For he, speaking of Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In other words, Abraham looked at the stuff he had where he was. Then he heard God say, I'll take you to the city that I built. And he said, that sounds a lot better than anything in this world. So everything in this world I hold with open hands, God. And if you want it, it's yours. Uh, you take it, I use it forever. You use me for whatever. Because this world is not ultimately what matters. What matters is that I'm serving you and I get to go to that city that you have built. The city you have designed, the city with foundations that don't crumble, that don't fall away, but that last forever, this eternal city. God, that's where I'm headed. And when you have faith like that, it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'll go. Okay, I'll do it. Makes you a lot less worried about your stuff, right? Makes you a lot less worried about all the stuff of this world. Why? Because it doesn't matter. You can't take it with you anyway. Where are you headed? You, you building a city here or are you building a city there? You, you worried about your tent here? you got an eternal home there. And so when you have that mindset, well, this other, it's just stuff. Like when you're camping, do you take everything in your house? Of course not. You take the stuff you need. Abraham's like, man, I'll take whatever you give me, God. Of course, God blessed him. I mean, he was, he was a wealthy man, but he, he never actually put down roots because he was always looking forward to the city whose builder and designer is God. We have this picture of the city in Revelation, and, and I, I won't spend time reading all of it this morning, but I, I just wanted to give you a little glimpse of what we hear about this city that, that God has created for us. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. Clear as crystal, it had a great high wall with 12 gates, with 12 angels at the gate. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, sapphire, emerald, topaz, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I do not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will, need, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Now tell me, what in this world can compare with that? What in this world is worth not getting that? What are you going to take with you into that city where the gold is the pavement? 
You bring in a pocket full of gold, and they're like, oh, cool, so you brought some more gravel for us to throw on the pavement. Nice, I appreciate it. All this stuff we hang on to so tightly, and God is saying, why are you hanging on to that? I use that for pavement where you're headed. Look to the city that is made without hands, the city whose builder and designer is God. And when you do that, all the worries of this world, while they are still hard and they're still difficult and they're still painful and challenging and all those things, you view them in light of the fact that "Mm, this is temporary. Look at where I'm headed. And say, hey, by faith, I'll go, God. I'll trust you in what I can't see. I'll trust you in what I can't understand because I know you're greater and mightier and more wise than I ever could be. I'm going to trust you even though with my eyes I can't see what you're saying. I can't understand what you're saying. You're sitting there this morning and I understand it. We all got challenges. We all got things in our life we weren't, wish weren't there. Some things that we hope will always be there. And we're asking God, God, how much longer? How much longer until you deal with this? God, how much longer until I can finally overcome this sin in my life? How much longer until I can feel safe and secure and without fear? How much longer until you work in this person's life? And he says, just follow me a little bit longer. Trust me for another day. Put your faith in me for another step down the path I'm calling you down. Don't trust your eyes. Trust my promise. That's what God says to us this morning. And like I said, I don't, I don't pretend to know what everyone has going on. But I know this, I know that no matter what we're facing, God says don't look to the momentary situation you find yourself in. Look to the eternal city that I'm preparing for you. Guys, I, I want to challenge you above all else this morning to trust God. To put your faith in Him and to guide you and lead you. To put your faith in Him to overcome those hard things in your life. Hand them over to Him and say, Lord, I'm not going to take shortcuts here. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to allow you to work this out. Let me tell you, sometimes he takes longer than you want him to. Sometimes he's a lot slower than the Keurig. But he has a reason for it. He has a plan for it. We don't always understand it. We don't always get it. And most of the time we don't ever get it. Maybe we're still mad at God over stuff that he he didn't do and we don't even understand why he didn't do it. But if you're here this morning and you're struggling through things, ask Him, Lord, where can I trust You? Where can I depend on You? If you have trusted on Him, you have walked, been walking with Jesus, and you say, but I messed up. Over here, I, I made this choice based on what I wanted rather than what God wanted. I ran out of patience with Him, and I, and I don't know what to do about it. I'll tell you what to do about it. Say, Lord, I messed up. And I don't want to do that no more. I want to follow You. Then follow Him. Lord, forgive me. Please forgive me. He says, okay, come on, let's get going. We have a God who who sent His Son to die for us. Do you honestly think that this thing that you have done is going to keep Him from continuing to call you back to Himself? Paul said that if, if He's given His Son for us, then what else is there left? Guys, His grace is so much greater than anything you could possibly do. Turn back to Him. If this morning you've never put your faith in Him, you've never trusted on Him, would you trust on Jesus this morning who, who bled and died to buy your freedom and to buy your right to enter into the presence of God in this eternal city, to give you a new heart in heaven, uh, give you a new heart and a new home in heaven with Him? Would you put your faith in Jesus this morning if you would stand with us? And as you stand, we're going to have a time of prayer. <coughs> and following this time of prayer, we're going to have a time of invitation. 
which is basically an opportunity for you to respond to God in whatever He's calling you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. Lord, You are good, and God, we love You. Lord, help us to trust You this morning. Help us to depend on You. God, help us to put our faith in You, even when we don't understand what's going on. Lord, I pray that that those who are here this morning who are struggling, who are fearful, God, that You would alleviate their fears through faith. And God, those who are uh, afraid of tomorrow, God, that they would be able to put their faith in You. And those who have never trusted on You, that they would put your faith, their faith in You. God, whatever it is that they need this morning, God, whatever it is that those who have gathered here need, I pray that You provide it through Your grace and Your mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Oh, soul, are you weary and-